Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Mari Llewellyn, founder and president of Bloom, creator of the Slay app, host of the Pursuit of Wellness podcast, mental health advocate, and fitness entrepreneur who in 2022 landed on Forbes' coveted 30 under 30 list, further solidifying her place in the health and wellness space. She has grown her platform of over 2 million combined followers by documenting her everyday life and sharing her inspiring fitness journey with her loyal community. Mari lost an astonishing 90 pounds through strength training and completely transformed her life, inspiring her to launch both Bloom and the Slay app. Since then, she has dedicated her life to helping women from all backgrounds reach their full potential, both mentally and physically. In this episode, Mari shares all about her transformational journey after hitting rock bottom, both mentally and physically. She shares tips for creating habit change that helped her to lose weight and feel her best after her borderline personality disorder diagnosis, when she went from just trying to survive to thriving. We talk about her favorite healing foods, workouts, tips for mental health, how to build discipline and self-love, and how she transformed all that positive energy into building an online community, which helped to create Slay, the number one female fitness transformation app, empowering women on their fitness journey, and Bloom, her supplement line, which is now available at Walmart and Target. There are so many great nuggets of inspiration in this episode. Keep listening to learn all about Mari. If you haven't had the chance to try our grain-free granolas yet, head on over to Walmart to now find them in the gluten-free healthy living aisle and select Walmart locations. Our grain-free granolas have crunchy clusters of nuts, superfood seeds, and creamy nut butters, all baked with organic coconut oil and sweetened with coconut sugar. They are gluten-free, paleo, and keto certified. Use the link in the notes section to find Purely Elizabeth products at a Walmart store near you. Mari, welcome to the podcast. It's honestly such a pleasure to meet you, and I'm so excited for this conversation today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. So at Purely Elizabeth, we are really all about helping our community thrive on their wellness journey, and you've certainly embodied that wellness journey. So I would love to start with where you were, you obviously had a, a huge transformation, but where you were before the transformation on that wellness path and was wellness ever part of your world when you were growing up or let's start there. Yeah, let's do it. I have to say the Bloom team is a huge fan of the granola. So oh. they were super excited. Um, <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Yeah. So before I found wellness, I was not someone who ever thought about what went into my body, movement, wellness in general was not a huge part of my life. I will say growing up, I ate a relatively European diet, I would say, because I grew up in a British household, but my, you know, I lived in Switzerland for a while. So we ate high quality food, but it wasn't necessarily like anything close to what I eat now. So I did have a good relationship with food to begin with, but it was just not something I thought about. So from the beginning, I guess I 
lived in a pretty tumultuous household. There was a lot of like emotional tension and my parents ultimately divorced and it was kind of, you know, it was tough because we lived in America, just the four of us and the rest of my family lived in the UK still. When did you move to the US? I moved to the US in 2004. I was 10 years old and it was actually a bigger transition than I think I expected. Like, I think I thought, oh, you know, I see America on the TV. I see it on Friends and I I knew (laughs) what to expect, but I moved to a town called Scarsdale, which is just outside New York City. And it was super, super wealthy, which my family was not. And everyone had their friend groups already. They all knew each other. And it was a completely different culture to what I was used to. And the UK, it's like very reserved, polite. Like I I can't quite describe, like it just very culturally different, even the sense of humor. So I think right off the bat, I felt isolated and just, you know, different to everyone else. So encountering that and having a bit of a difficult household kind of accumulated over time. And ultimately, you know, I was having a lot of mental health issues and a lot of like inner pain that I didn't know how to heal uh, in a healthy way. So I went to college, I went to Drexel University in Philadelphia And that was where I really discovered kind of this, these ways of numbing the pain, whether it was alcohol, partying, boys, friends, like just constantly making sure I was never alone. So I could never feel it truly. And at first I would say it was the time of my life. Like I had so much fun, but it kind of snowballed over time into this darker place where, you know, I was blacking out regularly and self-harm became a trend. Like when I was alone and I couldn't handle it, self-harm was what I turned to. And my boyfriend at the time, he's my husband now, he said, you know, I really think you need to get help. Like, I think we need to do something about this. So I went to a psychiatrist in Philadelphia and I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. BPD is what I refer to it as. Had you ever heard of that? Absolutely not. This is the first time, yeah. First time hearing about it. And I feel like it's not spoken about a lot and it's very stigmatized even in the world of therapy. So like when I would look into it, even therapists said, you know, this is something that is like the worst disorder to treat because it's difficult to heal and you'll never really get to the root cause of it. And people with BPD have you know, crazy reactions to things. Even reading it myself at the time, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doomed. Like, this is a horrible diagnosis. But at the same time, it did kind of give me an answer to all the pain I had been feeling. Now I have so much more knowledge around BPD and I want anyone listening who does have the diagnosis or knows of someone with the diagnosis, it's not like a death sentence by any means. I can now say that I don't even check the boxes for all the criteria for BPD anymore. And can you describe what it is? So for people who don't know, yeah. So it's now been determined that it's a trauma-related disorder. So whether you had sexual abuse or um, verbal abuse, it could be anything, any type of trauma over time as a child, it can accumulate and become BPD. At the core of it, it's a lack of identity. So you don't really know who you are. You don't have a strong sense of your core beliefs and you kind of drift between 
other you use other people for validation of who you are so you're really reliant on approval from others to feel a sense of self a lot of difficulty with interpersonal relationships so I always struggled with romantic relationships and kind of feeling like an emotional roller coaster constantly and just feeling things really strongly like I I once heard someone describe it as having third degree burns on your feelings like everything kind of hurt in a different way so even like someone looking at me in a certain way or having this like a certain interaction even with a cashier at a grocery store like that would stay with me for days afterwards which is it's interesting to talk about it now because I don't have the same experience now but yeah wow so okay so you get this diagnosis Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that that felt like on the one hand, wonderful that you had an answer, but at the same time, pretty scary. Like no one's talking about it. What is this doomsday? How do you treat this? So what, what happened next? What did they say of how to treat it? Was it medication? Yeah. So right away I was put on a number of medications. So I was put on antidepressants, anti-anxieties and mood stabilizers. And we were like trying different ones. And I no was- one said try eating something different. (laughs) Not at no point did anyone bring up nutrition or exercise or meditation or any, anything of that sort. And I would also like to say, I'm not a doctor. And I I know that SSRIs can have, can be a tool in some circumstances, but for me, looking back, I feel like maybe one medication on a lower dose could have been acceptable because I was, you know, I was a danger to myself at the time, but being put on that amount was really detrimental to who I was as a person. And from there, it was kind of a downward spiral. Everything got worse. I was still self-harming, still drinking, which drinking alcohol on medication like that, you black out after one drink. So I was in a really bad place and also just it just numbs any sense of reality at all. So like anything that was going on exterior, exterior, my world, whether it was like my grades and my classes, I was a semester out from graduating and I was failing every class all of a sudden. My apartment was a disaster. Like I just didn't have a grip on anything and everything was like slowly slipping away, including my identity. So my relationship wasn't in a good place. I didn't have any friends. And ultimately I had to leave school um, because I was failing and really just not functioning as a, as a member of society. Wow. That must've been really traumatic. So at what point then, so you, you leave school and you do have your boyfriend now, husband there Mm -hmm. for you, but at what point did things start to shift for you and make a change to say, I'm not feeling like I feel horrible. And how do I get myself out of this? Because that must've been uh, such a tough place to be. Yeah. Moving home and moving back in with my dad, it was like, you know, love my dad, but I did not want to be there. I was (laughs) like, it was a slap in the face. I was like, oh my God, like I'm living at home. I don't have a degree. I don't have a job. I'd never really like I think because I was in survival mode for so much of my life, I never really had goals or aspirations for myself, which sounds so crazy because I'm so goal-driven now. But at the time I was like, I was just trying to survive each day. So I never thought ahead. 
And when I moved home, I remember my dad got me this book that was called like food is medicine. And I was like really pissed off. I was like, dad, like, are you suggesting that like food could cure this? You have no idea what's going on with me. Like there's no way I was pissed off. And and what, how, what were you eating at the time? Like a typical oh, standard American diet? Trash. Like I was eating trash. I mean, that's a harsh, that's harsh, but <laughs> you know, I'm now I'm so passionate about using, actually using food as yeah. medicine. And now knowing what I know, I look back and I was like, oh, you were making your life so much harder, but like giant iced coffees with milk and sugar for a mood disorder, horrible two muffins. Like my whole day was like sugar packed and there was no protein and there was no healthy fats, nothing for my brain. So now I've learned so much about that. But my first step when I moved home was honestly just coming off the medication. And again, I'm not recommending people do that. It is really hard to come cold Turkey off medication like that, but that's what I decided to do. And it was a tough come down. Um, it's really, really rough when that happens. And I had a weird transitional period of time, but I kind of think that's what I needed. Like I kind of needed to just be by myself at home and processing everything that had happened. So that's what I did. And and then I, you know, when I was finally able to like come out and breathe and look around, I was like, oh wow, like I have really messed things up. And I think taking responsibility and ownership too, and not pointing the finger at anyone else at that moment was really crucial for my for taking the next step. So what was that next step? I'm assuming also at this time you were eating trash and you weren't exercising or or doing very little. Very little. Like my the extent of my exercise was taking my dog Lulu to play fetch, where I was like essentially <laughs> standing still throwing the ball. So no, no exercise. I was pretty like terrified of the gym. So my first step was really like wanting to gain back some control. And at this point I had gained probably 60 pounds. Like I, again, with this, the lack of reality, sense of reality, I completely like missed the fact that I gained all this weight. Like I didn't really like even notice. And then one day I was like kind of looking at myself and I was like, wow, like I look so different. Like I really had completely changed and weight was never like a huge issue for me before this time so I think I wasn't accustomed to like noticing it yeah and also I'm 5'10 5'11 so like the weight was like kind of dispersed evenly throughout my body but it was there so I was like around 250 pounds at the time and yeah I think my first step I was like let me figure out how to take control of my health because I didn't I didn't have school anymore. I didn't have a job. I was like, well, what's something that I can take control of? And it was my, my health and how I felt. And Greg, my boyfriend, which we got back together after I began healing myself, he was a big inspiration for me because he is a bodybuilder. And I'd watched him uh, go to the gym twice a day, eat out of Tupperware. Like he was so passionate about it. And I never understood it. And he never even tried to convince me to do it. He was never like pushy with it. I think everyone has to find fitness on their own. I think it's so tempting to try to convince other people to get on the bandwagon with you. But at at the end of the day, people need to have their own reason. And I called him and I was like, I'm going to do this. Uh, So I'm going to be asking you some questions. (laughs) (laughs) If that's okay. Uh, And I began kind of imitating his diet, which (laughs) probably wasn't the best, but it was a start, you know, and it pushed me in the right direction. 
That's incredible. So for people who find themselves, whether it's something, you know, similar to this or just in general, like maybe someone who's just not working out and and not haven't found health, wellness, a, a routine, what tips do you like to share for really like giving yourself getting the courage to make that change? Because that is such a hard place to be that it wasn't, I mean, maybe it was one day that you just woke up and said that, but any tips around that? Yeah, I think it is really intimidating. And I would like to say I didn't enter the journey knowing I would lose 90 pounds by any means. Like I just knew that I was taking a step in the in a better direction. Like the direction I was in was not good. Like it was dangerous. It was like I was going nowhere. So I was like, let me kind of pivot and at least take a baby step in the right direction. And I think when you think of it that way, it's way more approachable. So I always say baby steps. My first step was instead of just standing still when I was playing with Lulu, my dog, I would go on a walk. And then that walk slowly but surely got a little bit faster, a little bit longer. And just kind of building it up in that way was really a good step. And even like subbing out the muffin for a bowl of oatmeal and eggs. Like I was still eating a decent amount of food and feeling full and satiated, but it was a different type of food. So just introducing small things and then adding another small thing, that's how you build habits. And it's also how you start building evidence that you can do hard things. Like I think that was such a big thing for me because I was so used to being comfortable all the time, like eating things that tasted good and you know, not pushing myself too hard because it it made me feel more comfortable. I think getting comfortable with being uncomfortable was a huge step for me and introducing that into my life slowly but surely. And then also just celebrating small wins. Like I really, you know, Greg actually, I wouldn't weigh myself because I didn't want to see the number. All I cared was that I was like chipping away slowly but surely. So he would actually weigh me and be like, oh, you lost a pound this week or you, you know, whatever. And uh, he really hyped me up. So we would go for like fun treat meals, I called them on the weekend. And I really like, I taught myself how to be proud of myself because another thing I learned on the fitness journey is that no one no one's going to care as much as you do. Like, I think there's this expectation that everyone's going to be supporting you and hyping you up. And then you get there and everyone else is just dealing with their own (laughs) life. So you need to like, you need to hype yourself up and be proud and have that self-validation. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I think that really that pushing yourself and doing hard things is such a critical piece in like building confidence. I mean, I feel like that every day of, starting my workout in the morning. Like if you can push yourself in the morning, it sets the tone for the rest of your day. hundred percent. I, that I, I'm the same way. I like to do the hardest thing first because I mean, nothing's harder than a hard workout at the end of the day, like a awkward phone call or like telling someone something at the office is like nothing in comparison to that workout. So I agree with you hundred percent. We'll be right back. Since the beginning, Purely Elizabeth has been committed to the healing power of food. We believe there's a direct connection between the health of our farms and soil and the health of our food. That is why I'm so excited to announce our newest product launching. Our number one selling original ancient grain granola is now available in an 18 ounce value size made with regenerative organic certified coconut oil and coconut sugar. 
For those who are not familiar with regenerative agriculture, it focuses on improving soil health, which is known to help improve crop yields, biodiversity, carbon emissions, and water conservation. You can find our value size at your local Whole Foods market or on our website at purelyelizabeth.com. If you're interested in learning more about our sustainability journey and how it impacts the delicious food you enjoy, please visit purelyelizabeth.com slash journey. Enjoy. So when you first started this shift and change, were you reading or hearing any, like what was your inspiration beyond Greg? I'm curious if there was a particular book or something that was really stuck out for you to be inspiring. At the time, so it was 2017 and bodybuilding was like a really big niche. So I was really into the bodybuilding space and I listened to all the podcasts. Um, There was like a variety of people. Lane Norton, I think was one of them. I listened to all the nutrition podcasts. Amanda Bucci was big at the time. Andy Frisella. I would watch YouTube. I would watch all my favorite like bikini competitors and kind of just learn from different people because everyone, oh, Thomas DeLauer loved him. He's still great. Definitely learning from different people. And also I think there's a huge difference between health and fitness. Like I think there's a a possibility of having a six pack and being shredded, but not being healthy on the inside. And I always wanted both. Like I always wanted to be athletic and have muscle and look good, but I wanted to feel good. Like that was more important to me because I'd come from such a bad background in terms of my mental health. And I'd been in such a bad place. All I really cared about was that I felt good on the inside and my brain was healthy and my mood was good. So I really wanted to incorporate like all the healthy fats and make sure I was getting in good foods and taking care of myself on the inside rather than just, I don't know, doing the, if it fits your macros type of route. So yeah, it was definitely a time of learning for me. And I think social media was really taking off in the fitness space. So I was just following and absorbing all the information. So let's dive into food a little bit, because as we said at the beginning, like there was no conversation around food as medicine. And we now know, and we probably knew then, but there's so much more conversation about the gut brain connection and how that is so critical to our mood and our entire being. So Or what is today some of those crucial things in your diet that you do to feel your best? And if you don't eat that way, do you notice a difference in your mood? 100%. Like I am such a food quality person. Like I'm the person at the airport where I have a cooler backpack that I fill with Air One food because I'm terrible. I don't want to eat the crap at the airport. I bring my food too. Right, exactly. Whether it's canola oil or strange sugars or fillers, like whatever it may be, I really avoid that stuff. I focus on whole foods. That's like my big thing is focusing on whole foods, whether it's like salmon or steak. I've always enjoyed animal products. Like I digest meat really well and seafood. I love avocado. I love olive oil. At the moment, I'm in a bit of a pickle with my breakfast because I'm such an egg gal. I love eggs, but I found that I'm highly sensitive to eggs in my blood work. So I'm trying to make a shift. It's always a journey. That's the thing with wellness. Like every time you think you have it completely figured out, you learn more or your body needs something else. So I'm, I'm very much on that journey. But for me, 
whole foods, a higher fat diet has always worked really well. And um, I went keto for a while, actually. And that was a great tool, but not sustainable. So yeah, I'm still figuring it out. But in general, whole foods, and I love cooking. High protein, do you do? High protein, for sure. Um, That is generally the focus of my meal. I kind of work everything else around that. So getting back to transformation. Yeah. Let's talk about what actually happened. So I, I know that you decided to share your transformation on social media and then kind of walk us through that piece. And was that something that you had just woke up one day and decided like, hey, I'm going to share this thing. I don't know. Or what what was that like for you? So as I was going through the actual journey, I wasn't posting. Like I didn't really use social media and I was, it was a very like personal journey. Like, you know, when I was in that dark place, I never really took photos of myself. I kind of avoided it. Like I didn't want to be out in the public. I just, I was feeling so insecure and not in a good place. I never even really thought to document the fitness journey. I just watched other people. And then I got to November of 2017 and I made this like before and after just for myself and also to send Greg. And it was such a vast difference. And I definitely like had muscle in my arm and it was like this crazy post. I mean, I think I'd lost 70 pounds at that point. And, um, Greg was like, Oh, you should post that. Like, you know, you work so hard. And I was like, I don't know. I don't, had 900 followers at the time. I was like, I don't want anyone to see this. I'm embarrassed. You know, I don't want my friends from school to see it. But I ended up doing it because I was, you know, that's what I dedicated nine months to. And it ended up exploding. Like my inner circle was like, oh my God, like I didn't know you were doing this, da, da, da. But then beyond that, it was getting reposted on big fitness pages and meme pages and everyone, everyone was seeing it. And I'd never had this type of thing happen ever. So my phone was like exploding. I was getting all these messages, all these comments. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? And that is where my entire career began. And it's it's funny because it felt so like, I kind of knew with the fitness journey, if I just work really hard at this, other things will fall into place down the line. I didn't really know what was going to happen, but it kind of was all meant to be. Like it really felt, like my, I was living out my purpose and suddenly I had an opportunity to turn it into a career. That's incredible. Thank you. How quickly on that journey to the, till November, did you start feeling better mentally? The mental improvement I feel like was like pretty quick. I I, I think people would be surprised once you start improving your diet and moving your body in any capacity, you start feeling better almost right away. Obviously, like the BPD and the trauma has been a lot of therapy and inner work. And that's not something that can heal overnight. But I was putting myself in a better position to do so just within a week or two of cleaning up the diet and uh, moving my body more. And I was more like motivated and hopeful for the rest of my life, I think, because before I was like, oh, I don't even think I'm headed anywhere, you know? So it really put me in a better mindset. And then I was able to do that inner work and focus on that as well, which I still do. You know, it's always, it's always a journey. That's amazing. So all of a sudden your career shines in front of you of here's the path that's meant for me. And then what were the steps that happened as far as 
getting out there and really starting both your fitness side and then eventually bloom? So right away, the comments and the DMs were all like, what was your workout plan? What did you do? I want to do the same thing. I'm in the same position. So kind of organically, I had this community build and I began making content. So I was like, okay, I'll start documenting everything I do every day anyway. Like the recipes I was making, the workouts I was doing, I really put a lot of time into content. I basically used Instagram as like a diary. So sharing everything. But then as well, people wanted the exact workout plan. So myself and my husband, Greg, went to Barnes & Noble near my house and we wrote up every exercise I did, every workout I did. I even made like a grocery list of all the groceries I buy. I didn't love meal plans because I don't like telling people what to eat. I think everyone's so different. Um, So I just did grocery lists and we sold this guide for $5. And if people messaged me, I would respond and say, yeah, I have a guide. Just PayPal me $5 and I'll email it to you. So I would manually send people the guide. And that was my entire business model. And we would spend all day on our phones sending it. (laughs) Obviously not super sustainable. We figured out how to get a website at some point, but that was how everything began. And we sold a lot of those guides and we did variations of the guides. We did home, we did different levels. And did you know in that moment, like at that time, this is going to really take off and like be something? I mean, you felt that intuition of this was my future, but how did that feel? It felt like, I don't want to say panic, but it kind of felt like, well, I've got nothing else in my life that I want to do. Like, this is it. I have this opportunity. We're going all in. And I will say me and my husband are pretty like, we're not afraid of risk neither of us we're both kind of like go for it people so we just went for it and I focused on the content he focused on the marketing and the business side and together we just kind of like went for it and I I don't think I knew how big it would get I just I mean even the fact that we were making a hundred dollars every day I was like whoa this is insane and he was like yeah like if we just get to 200 then we can do you know make another business and whatever it may be um but from the beginning we set aside all of that capital and put it into another thing. So the next thing we did was the resistance band, which at the time all all the resistance bands out there were like elastic that rolled and it was gross, whatever. I wanted to create a thick one because I was obsessed with leg day and growing my glutes as every girl is. Mm. So I made this fabric resistance band and At the time, no one was really taking us seriously. Obviously, we were two young kids and we were like, we we have, you know, we want to make these bands. We managed to find a manufacturer. We still actually work with them. And a fulfilled, well, actually the first 900 bands we hand shipped from my dad's attic. So I was essentially running the business out of my dad's attic. And he was like, what are you doing? My dad was pretty supportive actually, because he'd seen where I started. So he was like, yeah, like, you know, I was working orange at Orange Theory Fitness at the time as a front desk girl. Um, I was getting there at like four in the morning every day. So he was like, you should quit and just do this. So and how many followers did you have on social media at this point? Probably by the time we were selling the bands, I would say maybe like close to a hundred thousand. Okay. So you had a good size. Yeah. Be. At the at that time you could grow pretty organically and I had this like tight knit community, like it was insane. We would all 
it just felt like we were all on a mission together and like I would talk to them they would talk to me and they were so supportive with every business endeavor and they have been up until now and it's really like the reason that I think we were able to be so successful it was this community um and they were like helping me pick colors for the bands and I was showing them logos like I drew every logo that we've we've ever had and they were helping me along the way so yeah from the beginning they were super involved and the bands really took off and that's how we raised capital to ultimately start bloom and here we are <laughs> so now how many years has it has it been since bloom launched bloom launched in january of 2019 wow it's only been just a couple of years i know and it it's so funny because it feels so it feels like a lifetime like i can't remember life before bloom <laughs> And what was your first product with Bloom? It was an all-natural pre-workout. So I was such a gym buff at the time. I was like, I want to do a pre-workout. And during my fitness journey, I couldn't find pre-workouts that were like clean. So it was all like the C4s and the muscle destroyers and whatever, you know, crazy names they all had. They were all yellow and black. And I'd walk into the GNC store and be like, oh my God, like, what is this stuff? So I really wanted to create something for my community, like a female who wanted to improve her life, a beginner to fitness. And I wanted to make like a friendly, fun label that was on brand. So yeah, it was just Greg and I at the beginning, we did everything. Like I designed the label, we did customer service, we made the website. It was just us two. And when we launched, it sold out right away. Um, so we just kept going and going and going and making products that they wanted. Yeah. I love that you guys are so focused on bringing what has traditionally been so geared to men into the female space. It feels like it's just such a needed spot. And I'm sure that's, that's why it's been so successful the last couple of years. It is interesting to me that like, even in, you know, CPG or food and beverage, like it, it is very male dominated, but like we're the ones buying it. Right. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like even now when I go to a business event, the room is full of men and I'm like, but you guys aren't even buying the products. We are. Um, so it has been interesting. And I feel like we're still, I think women's health is completely taking over and um, people are starting to realize that. So yeah, it's yeah. Been and I, I feel like it's this groundswell of that and so many more women coming into strength training and the protein conversation. I mean, for me personally, I feel like that's been a journey for me this last year. That was something I never, I mean, looking back at the amount of protein I was eating before, I was eating like nothing yeah. and not really doing the strength training that I was doing before. So it's definitely feels like such a movement in this direction and, and really having it be to your earlier comment of it's about health and not this other type of strength training diet culture, so to speak. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I feel like everyone is kind of their own advocate. Now we don't have to rely on it's everywhere. Like the, the fitness and the wellness information is everywhere from podcasts and having conversations like this and having experts even with my own podcast, Pursuit of Wellness, I have experts on every week and I'm learning so much from them. And it's so cool that we can put those conversations out and everyone can listen now. And I just feel like everyone is just more aware of what, you know, everything going on. So I, I agree. 
So what's a, a typical day in, in the life look like for you now managing? Well, we didn't even talk about Slay yet, but so how, how did that come to be in going from a PDF to, to this app? Yeah, so Slay is essentially, we began as Mari Fitness. That was the name of like the PDFs and everything. And I essentially just wanted to modernize the whole thing, make it easier to use. Um, so it became the Slay app, which has like video exercises you can follow along. You can track the weight you're using. Uh, we have tons of recipes that are gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever, you know, your dietary restriction may be. And yeah, it's been amazing. We have two new trainers now, Pilates and HIT. So that has evolved on its own completely. And it's, you know, been there from the beginning. And yeah, it's always just been there alongside Bloom. So we love that. What was your other question? I'm sorry. A day in the life as you're managing Bloom, Slay, and everything else going on. What's a typical yeah. day look like for you? Let's start <laughs> with your morning routine up until if you have a night routine. Okay. So I wake up around 5.45 or 6 in the morning. First thing, I guess, I tongue scrape. I've been very into tongue scraping lately. Took me a minute to get into it, but I think it's important because it's like the first place that, you know, the gut begins. So I've been doing that. And then I will get ready in my workout clothes, head downstairs. I have these water and wellness minerals every day that I put in my water. They're like Kinton minerals. I feed my dog Lulu <sighs> and then I gratitude journal. I have the five minute gratitude journal. I think it's Love called. That. Yeah. Yeah. And I just write down, you know, what I'm feeling that day, things I'm grateful for an affirmation for the day. And that really puts me like in a good headspace. Um, and then I head to the gym. So gen- it's always weightlifting for me. Generally, I either go to gold's gym in Venice or I go to the aloe gym. And do you do strength training how many days a week? Um, I would say about four, four or five. I used to do like six and now I've kind of like pulled it back and I'll kind of do long walks in between. I also love Pilates. I do Pilates here and there, but weight training really is like the base for me. So I go work out for about 50 minutes. And then after that, I come home, I have my breakfast, I have a decaf coffee I'm very anxious, so I cannot do real coffee. And then I do my whole vitamin routine, take my greens. Greens is our best-selling product now. So we started with a natural pre-workout, but greens are kind of what we're known for. And it's essentially like an all-in-one supplement for your veggies, your fruits, your prebiotics, probiotics, getting everything in. So you're digesting and bloat-free throughout the day, but it tastes really good. That was like my goal from the beginning to have it taste amazing. So I have that. And then I head upstairs and I get ready for my day. Oh, I'll ice roll. I love an ice roll, my my skin. And then skincare, get ready for the day. Each day looks different. I got to say, like, one thing with my job is that I'm never I'm doing one thing. So I kind of flip flop whether I'm going from podcast studio, Bloom HQ, photo shoot, event, meetings here, meetings there. So it is quite you try to stack certain days that like, this is a podcast day, this is a bloom day, or they all become intermingled. I try. I got to say I'm not great at that. Like I, my mind just kind of goes from one thing to another, but mostly I'm at the Bloom headquarters here in Venice. We have 50 employees now, which is crazy. crazy. So it's insane. So I'm definitely less in the weeds than I used to be, but I still am pretty involved. So I'm in meetings here, 
chatting with people. My podcast has completely taken over my life. So (laughs) I do a lot of like interview prep, actual interviews, editing, social plan for the podcast, uh, things of that nature. Um, Our team for the app is in the UK. So I chat with them. So uh, yeah, and we just launched a bowl with Air One. So this week, I launched Mari's Bloom Bowl at Air One, which is so exciting. So crazy. It's been like a career goal of mine forever. So it's like an acai bowl, but a matcha base. It's super creamy. There's avocado, banana, mango, topped with granola, strawberries. So that came out on Monday. So we had an event for that, a meet and greet. So it really just depends on what's going on. What are, other than working out, what are some non-negotiables in your day that like you must do to feel your best? Alone time, which is so funny because I used to hate being alone and now I like need it. I definitely like revive my energy when I'm by myself. So are you an introvert? I think I am. Yeah. Um, After, yeah, I am. And it's not that I don't enjoy being around people, but I feel like I need to reamp myself alone. Um, And I can't really think when I'm constantly around people. So I'll go on a walk, uh, phone free. I think another non-negotiable for me is not going on social media until I'm at my work day. Because to me, social media is work. And that's how I kind of keep a healthy relationship with it. So I don't look at it before nine. I try not to go on my phone at all for the first hour I wake up. Also, I feel like getting out and getting sunlight right away, really important to me and going to bed early, like sleep. So crucial. Do you have any hacks, so to speak, for mental, like feeling your best mentally? Like if you're having a day that you're not feeling great and feeling stressed or feeling anxiety, et cetera, is there something that you're like, hey, here's three things that I know can kind of instantly change that. Definitely therapy. I know that's like a classic answer, but therapy is huge. I do it twice a week. Talking it through with a professional and having like an unbiased, just someone to chat it out with and someone who knows a lot about me and knows my history and can kind of talk me down is always helpful. I think not self-isolating. I am someone who tends to be like, oh, I'm you know, when I'm upset, I'll just go be by myself and not talk to anyone and not tell anyone that I'm upset. And I think there's a lot of power in sharing that and bonding with people over it. Third, I think adult hobbies are really underrated because I was someone that I worked out and worked and that was about it for like years. And I was like, wait, I don't actually do anything for fun. Like any, everyone would ask me, what do you do for fun? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really do that. So I kind of realized that within the last year and began horseback riding. So I've become truly obsessed with horseback riding and horses in general. So if I'm having a bad week or a bad day, I will drive myself to the barn and just go hang out there because it brings me so much joy. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm lucky now that I'm in the position where I can do that. And back in the day when we were like really working on the business, I couldn't have. But now I'll do that. And it it works every time. So finding something that you love and brings you joy and calms you down. I love that. I think 
having a list, I have a list like in my phone of things that make me feel good or things that bring joy that it's always good to just like remind yourself of, Hey, what are those things that I could like easily pull out and do? And some of them are harder than others or shorter or longer, but yeah, being able to reference something is a really nice tool. I think. I love that. I got to do that actually. As you think about your journey and really building such a change in your lifestyle where you really had discipline to go to the gym every day or six days a week. Any tips that you can share around finding that discipline or getting that discipline? Like, do you think that's something that on the one hand you start exercising, it feels so good that it's like almost becomes addictive. And so you just want to work out, but for other people, I don't know that that's the case. And so how do you kind of work on that discipline piece of it. Yeah, I think, again, just to go back to proving to yourself that you can do hard things. For me, it it wasn't just about getting through a workout. It like meant so much more. I know it's kind of cheesy, but I always compare fitness to life. Like I think the reason I have the work ethic I have is because of fitness. So like getting through every rep, completing every set, doing an extra rep, like whatever it may be. If you can get through a 45 minute workout, then you can get through the hard job interview you have, or you can get through that tough meeting. You can have that tough conversation. Like it really applies to everything in life. So I think building a stack of evidence that you can do hard things and keeping your own promises. Like for me, it was so much about doing it for myself and saying like, I've you know, I kind of treated myself badly for a really long time and I didn't show myself a lot of love or compassion. So for me, self-care and self-love was keeping my own promises and showing up for myself. And I think for people who want to develop more discipline, starting small and keeping those promises and seeing how that feels and how that changes the way you feel about yourself and your confidence will keep you going and, and get you, you'd be shocked at how far that can take you. I love that. That's such a great tip. So we're going to move on to some rapid fire Q&A. Three favorite fitness or nutrition people that you follow on Instagram or TikTok. Either. Dr. Rhonda Patrick, Chris Williamson. He's not really fitness, but he has a great podcast. And Andrew Huberman. A favorite business moment? I would say opening our HQ here in Venice because we've always been in WeWorks and finally having a permanent office and seeing like the brand in a building is crazy. So yeah. A favorite book or mentor or podcast for growth? For growth. I used to listen to Diary of a CEO. Oh no, I currently listen to Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett. I think he's great. But I used to listen to Andy Frisella. It was called something. I can't remember what it's called now. I think it's called Real AF. And I liked that a lot back in the day. But also books. I think books can teach us so much. I'm so bad at remembering remembering the name of books, but like I've read a lot of books that have really helped me as well. Three things that you're currently loving could be a TV show, a product, and anything. Horses. <laughs> Definitely horses. Um, ice rolling. I use the Skinny Confidential Ice Roller. I love oh, it. I love that. Yeah. And what's another thing? Oh, I've been making this 
Okay, so I'm obsessed with Zevias. They're like these zero calorie soda kind of replacements. And I do that with lemon juice and ice and it tastes like lemonade. So yeah. Nice. Favorite words to live by? Start now. I've always loved that. And lastly, what's your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Tuning out the noise, I think, and going with your what's best for you. I really believe that bio-individuality is a thing and everyone feels differently with different things. So, you know, for sure, look at other people for inspiration and education. But at the end of the day, whatever feels best for you is the right thing. Love that. Well, in closing, what's next for you? A lot coming. Bloom is expanding. We are currently in Target and Walmart and now in Air One. So go try my ball at Air One. We're donating 100% of my proceeds to the Brain and Behavior Research Foundation. They uh, research BPD specifically, so it means a lot to me. But we are planning on expanding into different retail and getting amazing guests on my podcast, Pursuit of Wellness, and just continuing to spread the mission and spread the message. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure to meet you and hear your inspirational story. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.